I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, chapter 5 this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and if you could locate verse 12, I'm going to read verses 12 through 14 for us this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. We had Fall Fusion this weekend for the youth, not only of New Life Baptist Church, but uh, others as well who attended from LCA or friends from other churches or friends of the youth uh, who attended. Had around 50 to 60 throughout the weekend, and it was a a great, great time together. Uh, So we rejoice in that. Also, there was a uh, injury last night from uh, for Philip, so we want to pray for him. He hurt his knee a little bit last night, so we're going to pray for him when we pray uh, here in a little bit. That's why he's not here today, and uh, so we'll pray for for him after I read God's word and pray for the youth. Pray for the word that was sown in their hearts and in our hearts over the weekend, um, and pray for us today as we have gathered together as God's people to give Him the glory. That is due to his name. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12 says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I do ask you this morning to bless the reading of your word. Old Testament, New Testament, and the passages that we're looking at today, focusing on in the preaching of your word. Oh, Lord God, won't you bless your word. Build us up by it. Sanctify us by your word. Lord, I thank you for given us good success over the weekend with the youth. We are debtors, Lord, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, debtors to all men, but to preach the gospel to them. And Father, I thank you that you give us opportunities and that you have blessed this church with folks who love and who want to serve and to make a difference in other people's lives, to be salt and light. What a blessing. Father, thank you for being with us. I pray, Father, for the youth, and I pray, Father, for the word that's been sown in their hearts. I pray it would bring forth much fruit. I pray for Philip. I pray, God, for his knee, and I ask you, Lord, to comfort his heart and bring healing to his body. Lord, I pray for all of our people. We know that there are those who are mourning the loss of loved ones, like Marsha Christian with her mother passing, and Lord, we pray today that during the funeral time you'd comfort her heart and give her and the family sufficient grace for this day. Father, for those of us who are here, but yet, God, we all have our own struggles. We all have our set of problems. There's no doubt about that. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. And, Father, I pray that you would comfort us. I pray, Father, that in places where we need to be warned because we're being unruly, I pray you would... Send someone to warn us through your word. And Lord, I pray that for those of us who are weak, that we would be upheld by one another. And Lord, those faint-hearted be comforted. 
use us as a body to help one another. And I pray that all of our people, Lord, men, women, youth, children, oh God, work in us and cause us to walk in your ways and to do your will. Please bless me now as I try to present your word, to preach your word to your people. Help me to do it in a way that brings you glory and honor and rightly divides your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As always, the Lord Jesus Christ is the reason why, why we are here. He shed his blood on the cross and died for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. We are here because of what Jesus has done. As we were reminded of recently in First Thessalonians, that Jesus died for us in verse 10 of chapter 5, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. This morning, I want to share with you a message entitled Recognitions from the passage that I read earlier, verses 12 through 14. And we're going to work our way through this through this with three points. First of all, we're going to see who to recognize. Then we're going to see how to recognize. And then we're going to see, lastly, uh, why to recognize. All right, so as we start here in verse 12, we see that uh, Paul says, and we urge you, brethren. Now, the word, word urge there is, is translated that, obviously, in the King, New King James Version. But it's actually not that strong of a word. It's really more of a word that means like we ask or we, we request. Some of your translations may actually say, we ask you, brethren, or we request of you, brethren. So it's kind of like a, a brotherly um, request that is being offered to the Thessalonians here. Um, we urge you, we ask you, we uh, request of you, brethren. And then you go to uh, on in verse 12, he says, to recognize those. So the word recognize here is a word that means to have seen and to know. It means, you might, you might have it in your translation, to appreciate, to respect those. It refers, as the definition I found uh, to explain the word says, to ref- it refers to those, to, well, it refers to the past act of seeing with the present effect to know what was seen. In other words, it's, it's, uh, let me give you an illustration of that. In Matthew chapter 9, uh, Jesus there is with the paralytic who was brought in by his uh, friends and let down in front of him. And Jesus said um, that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, take up your bed and walk. The word know there, uh, may, um, the word know there is the word, this same word, and it's He says that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. I say to you. So they are seeing an action that's going to take place. The man taking up his bed and walking. That's going to give them a knowledge in the future that is is based upon what has happened in the past. An action that happened in the past. They saw what Jesus did and now they know that he has power on earth to forgive sins. Or at least they should have. They, they, like us, miss a lot of things that they ought to know. All right, so this, this word here, oida, is a word that, that means that because of the action of individuals among the congregation, the people ought to recognize them. They ought to know them. 
All right. So um, maybe that makes some sense. And these Thessalonians, they they had some guys who are actually named in the Bible. Um, For instance, there's Aristarchus. His name is mentioned about five five or six times in the New Testament. Uh, If you want to write down a reference for that, Acts chapter 19, verse 29. And then also Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. That's a couple of them. There's more than that. But he was a Thessalonian. And then there's another guy named Secundus. And he is mentioned in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. Mentioned by name. Acts 20, verse 4. So these guys were from Thessalonica. And people who probably labored among them. And then also went on to labor with the Apostle Paul. And be faithful in the gospel ministry. So let's look here at the first point. The first point is who to recognize. Who to recognize. Alright, so who to know. Uh, who to consider, who to have this knowledge about that is based upon what they've done in the past. You currently have a knowledge about them. All right, we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. That's the, well, let's look at that. Those, okay, those. Uh, you notice it doesn't say recognize the one who labors among you. This doesn't say recognize the person, the man who labors among you, but recognize those who labor among you. On the back of your handout, you can flip over there and see on the back of your handout that I've given you a list of scriptures. And those scriptures all have, maybe except for one, show the plurality of elders in a church. And you can uh, look, for instance, at Acts chapter 11, verse 30. I'm not going to read all these. I've kind of given them to you for you to read over yourself and to see how often this is found in the New Testament. But Acts chapter 11, verse 30. This they also did and sent it to the elders, plural elders, by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Um, another example, uh, chapter 14, verse 23. So when they had appointed elders, that's plurality of elders in every church, church is singular, elders is plural, and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And then you see in chapter 16, verse 4, the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. Chapter 20, verse 17, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. So sent to Ephesus, to the city of Ephesus, and called the elders, plural, of the church, singular. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, therefore take heed to yourselves. That's more than one. He's talking to that group he called from Ephesus. And to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Um, let's see, First Timothy 5.17, let the elders who rule well, you notice he doesn't say let the elder who rules well, but let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the doc, in the word and doctrine. Um, in Titus 1.5, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city, as I commanded you. First Peter 5, The elders who are among you. And then in Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops, plural, 
and deacons, plural. So he writes to the saints, he writes to the bishops, and to the deacons who are in Philippi. A few references there for you on the back of your handout showing that there is a plurality of leadership in the church in general, in the New Testament. So when we come back here to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, it should not shock us that he says, uh, recognize those who labor among you. All right, so that's the next sub-point. Who do we recognize? It's those, it's a plurality of people in the church who labor among you. The word labor here, and I don't really know if y'all really care about stuff like this or not. I hope that you do, since I put so much time and effort into trying to figure these things out. But y'all are probably like, really don't care. Uh, it means to labor, but it, it means to give effort. It means to be tired. It even can have the definition of being emotionally fatigued and discouraged. Now, you might be more interested in this. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Same word for labor. In Luke 5, verse 5, Peter said, when, after Jesus told him to cast the net on the other side of the boat, he said, Lord, we have toiled all night. The word for toiled is the same word. In John 4, verse 6, after Jesus had been on his journey, the Bible says that he was wearied from his journey and he sat down by the well where he would ultimately have the conversation with the woman uh, at the well and uh, so Jesus was wearied from his journey it means to feel fatigue to work hard and then we saw on the back of our handout first Timothy 5 17 and 18 spoke, spoken about elders there who labor in the word and in doctrine so the what Paul is saying here is recognize, know those, consider those who labor to a point of fatigue among you. Recognize them. All right. And the next sub point there is that we're to recognize those who are over you in the Lord. Not that these are three different categories. What this is referring to is one group of people who's doing all of these things. Again, you may or may not be interested in this, but in First Timothy 3, verses 4, 5, and verse 12, this is the same word that's used to talk about a man in the office of elder ruling over his household. And then ruling over the church. If he can't manage his own household, how is he to rule over the house of God? And then it talks about the deacon in verse 12, ruling over his household. And then in 1 Timothy 5.17 that we've looked at, the, the elder who rules uh, well. So that word over you that is found here in verse 12 is translated in other places, rule over. And that makes sense, doesn't it? If it's talking about the elder of like the office of elder, pastors, uh, bishops, de um, bishops, not deacons, but bishops, uh, <clears throat> that they are overseers. So uh, the elders oversee the flock like a shepherd oversees his flock sometime uh, from a position to where he can see what is going on. Uh, so he is overseeing them, watching out for the care of the whole, not just one particular one all of the time. 
So they are uh, over you in the Lord. And then we see last that they admonish you. Admonish you. The word for admonish, admonish here is uh, the word uh, nutheteo. Has anybody here ever heard of nuthetic counseling? Nuthetic counseling. Now that used to be a real popular um, ter- terminolo- term for biblical counseling. Now it's pretty much just called biblical counseling. All right, and that's where you take the Bible and you use the Bible to counsel people in whatever issue that they are dealing with. You go to the scriptures and help them know the truth that's there and then know how to apply it. Nuthetic counseling or biblical counseling. Um, That's the word that's found here for the word admonish. It means to caution, uh, to reprove gently, to put in mind, to put truth in somebody else's mind is sort of the idea behind that. Paul said in Acts 20 verse 31, three years I did not cease to warn you night and day. It's that word and it is found often in the New Testament. Let me show you another passage very quickly. If you'll turn over to Romans chapter 15 verse 14. Romans 15, verse 14. We actually mentioned this on Wednesday night real briefly. But I'll I'll show you here. um, I'll show you where this word's found here. Romans chapter 15, verse 14. Uh, Paul writes, he says, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, Able also to admonish one another. So we are able to warn one another. Let's turn to another place while we're doing this. Colossians. Um, That's not too far away from 1 Thessalonians. Colossians. Chapter 3 verse 16. This comes up in an interesting way here in Colossians 3 verse 16. But he writes here in the context of corporate worship, and he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. So we are warning one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Or maybe the way we should look at that is we are putting it in one another's minds through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What are we putting in there? The truth of God's word, sound doctrine that is according to the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's go back to First Thessalonians. Hopefully that is um, helpful to you if you were wondering a little bit more about that word. Leon Morris made a great little statement about this uh, phrase here and this warning. He said, um, while its tone is brotherly, it is big brotherly. So when it says admonish you, it is a big brotherly kind of tone where a big brother is warning or giving instruction to, caution to a younger brother or a younger sister. 
Now, as we look at this, uh, here's, here's what I'd recommend. Let's see. I'd recommend you do this. Circle on your handout the word among. Because you notice these that they are to recognize are those who are among them. Shepherds sometimes must be up on the hillside looking down at the flock and seeing the whole flock, but that doesn't mean he always stays there. Those who are um, to be recognized are those who are on the ground with the flock, serving them and caring for them and laboring among them. And that's how pastoral ministry, that's how ministry must work if it's going to be an effective ministry. Those who are ministering must be among the people, caring for their needs, laboring among them with the Word of God and laboring among them in any other way that will bring them help and bring about their edification. But you'll notice here also, circle the word you. I mean, I mean, over. They are uh, among you, but they're also over you in the Lord. And that is something that is interesting about this position because those who are over um, people spiritually in a church, they are over them in a position, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say authority, they're just in a, a position of, of um, ruling over, as the Bible says, being over them, but yet also among them. And there's a careful balance of that, not only for the man who is serving that position, but also for the church to understand that that man is among them, but yet he has the responsibility to be over them in the Lord. And that is no light matter. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 If you turn there, let's look at it together. Hebrews 13, verse 17. You might want to write that down in your notes. Because this verse goes very much along with what we see here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Please, please don't check your brain at the middle or beginning of a book when you're reading it. You need to keep your brain tuned in at the end of all the books that you read in the Bible. The book of Hebrews, the book of Colossians, uh, anywhere that you're reading, don't check out just because you're getting near the end and you think he's just got a few things to say that nobody's really, that it doesn't really matter because it matters. There's a lot of great jewels that are hidden there at the end of books. So keep focused when you're reading God's word. This is one of those places along with much of what surrounds it here, all of what surrounds it. But in verse 17, he says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. I want you to know that those who are in uh, the, the positions of being over a congregation have a weighty responsibility to watch out for your souls. But that does not mean that you do nothing because you as a congregation have the responsibility to be submissive. You as a church have the responsibility to understand that we will give an account for your souls. And as we labor among you now, fulfill your role in such a way that we can do ours with joy and not with grief. You see, you have that responsibility. We have a responsibility. Those who are over the church have a responsibility. And for, a, for us to be a healthy church... 
Guys, we, we all got to do our part. The elders right now, it's me and David. We want more elders to be serving this congregation. We have a weighty responsibility. But you have a responsibility as well. For us to be a healthy, sound, strong church, we must all know our responsibilities and help one another accomplish those. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. All right. Let's see. I got, I, got, I got pretty fancy this time. I was up here with the youth this weekend, so I was... Uh, look at that. I, I've highlighted those for you. Uh, you. See? Labor among you. Over you. Admonish you. Uh, and he was writing to the church in Thessalonica there, and he was he saying, these people, these guys are over you in the Lord. They labor among you in the Lord, and they admonish, they warn you in the Lord. If you know, And I want you to know that the things that we do as, as elders, we do what we do with passages like this in Hebrews 13, 17 in mind. If we wanted to just keep everybody fat and happy, we would never warn you about anything. Now, I'm not saying anybody's fat, okay? But if we just wanted to keep you happy all the time, why would we, re- why would we rebuke anybody? Why would we warn anybody? Why would we practice church discipline? Why would we do any of that stuff if we were just wanting to keep everybody happy? The reason that we do the things that we do is because of what the Bible says. That's what informs what we do. We don't get it right all the time. We would never say that we do. Not one time would we ever say that we are going to get everything right. But I will tell you this. We are always trying to obey the Scriptures. To the best of our ability, by the grace of God, we are seeking to obey what God has said in His Word. That's what informs what we're doing. Now, let's go to point number two, how to recognize. How to recognize. Well, this really fit in good with timing, didn't it? With Pastor Appreciation Month being in in October. Uh, So, uh, how to recognize. We find this in verse, verse 13. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. All right, here's the first word. You can put in there appreciation, Pastor Appreciation Month. All right, appreciation. I didn't think of that word on my own. I saw it somewhere else. But appreciation, esteem them very highly. Uh, and that means to have an opinion, to think, to consider. In Acts chapter 26, verse 2, Paul said, I think myself. So he, that's that same word that's found here is to think about. And we see very highly. That could be translated or defined as exceedingly or extraordinarily. So you think exceedingly about these people, those who are laboring among you and who are over you and who admonish you. You think exceedingly high about them. You esteem them. But you see also it is with affection. Because it is in love. You esteem them very highly in love. Now, uh, this may be because of their worth. It may not be because of their worth in your opinion. But the scripture 
tells us that this is to be done for those who rule over a congregation. I'll read this blurb real quick. I was hesitant to do it, but esteem or hold in high regard rather than its more usual meaning to consider. The context requires a specialized sense, says Milligan from the from a John Stott's commentary. Uh, the context requires specialized sense, though the more neutral meaning is possible. Consider them worthy of being loved. This latter, however, injects without warrant the thought of worthiness. The exhortation is to hold these leaders in esteem beyond beyond all measure. No reservations are allowable. Rulers in the local assembly must be held in the highest regard and given wholehearted support, and this in the spirit of love. Look at these references uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And that doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that the men over a church are just doing their own thing and being spiritually abusive and things like that to a congregation. That's why there is a plurality of elders. That's why there are men that it's wise to have men over the church who are godly men who love the Lord and they help one another to keep going on the right path and they hold one another accountable. That is essential in and for the health and life of a church. And that's, by the grace of God, what we want here at New Life Baptist Church always. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15 through 18. If y'all found that, if you found that, say, Amen. Amen. All right. Verse 15, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such, and to everyone who works and labors with us. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, for what was lacking on your part they supplied. Verse 18, For they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. Now, I don't know if these were the elders in Ephesus or what the situation really was, but we know about them that they had committed themselves to the ministry of the saints. And because of their commitment to the ministry of the saints, they were to be recognized by the church, acknowledged by the church. If you turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Now this falls, and I can't read all of this, and I'm really not going to, uh, uh, 25 through 30, but we'll, we'll, I'm going to read 29 and 30. This is talking about Epaphroditus. All right? Great guy, Epaphroditus. He was God's gambler, gambled with his own life. Verse 29, receive him. He's writing to the Philippians about this Philippian. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. So you'll notice that the Philippians were told about Epaphroditus to hold such men in esteem. Hold them in high consideration. Going back to 1 Thessalonians now. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5 to the passage that we are looking at today. We see that they are to be recognized with appreciation, but they are to be recognized with affection and love. So we see last, our last major point here is why to recognize. Why to recognize those who labor among you? Why to recognize those who are over you in the Lord? Why to recognize those who admonish you? Why to esteem them very highly in love? Well, the first reason is this. It's for their work's sake. You don't do it because you think that they're the greatest guys who ever walked the face of the earth. You don't do it because you think that they're charming. You don't do it because you think that they're charismatic. You don't do it because you think that they're great leaders. You don't do it for any of those reasons. The reason you do it is because these men ultimately are giving their lives for your life. These men are watching over you and your souls and seeking diligently to do that. They are laboring among you. They are over you. They admonish you. And because they are doing all of these things for you you may not like it all the time but the bible says to recognize them for their work's sake to hold them in esteem for their work's sake because of what god has given them to do for you and for the kingdom of god and we'll see about this that this work is a demanding work. Y'all ever heard the joke that a pastor only works two days a week? Anybody ever heard that? Uh, Wednesday and Sunday, that's it, right? It's not true. It might be for some, but it's not true. To labor among, to oversee a flock, takes a whole lot more than that. It's a demanding word. Remember the word labor? It means to be to a point of emotional fatigue. Second, though, is it's a dynamic work. Where do you get that from, from this? It's a dynamic work because we see in verse 14 some of the issues that are dealt with in a church. Now, I'm not saying to you that this means that only elders do what's found in verse 14. Not, not, it's not only those who are over the church who do what's found in verse 14. But verse 14 shows us what's going on in churches. Look at verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. The word unruly could be idle. There was idleness going on in Thessalonica. It could mean insubordinate, where they're not willing to follow leadership. Uh, those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. We see in this that there's unruliness, at least in the church in Thessalonica. There's faint-heartedness and there's weakness all in the church. So the work of laboring and overseeing a flock is a dynamic work that is leading to an ultimately good end, but it's not static. It's not the same all of the time. There are challenges that go along with it. And when he's writing this, it's likely that he's not saying this just to the group of elders or those who are over the flock, but he's saying it just like he said it to verse 12. He's saying it to the church. Brethren, all of you, warn the unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak. 
So if that's the correct interpretation, where do the elders come into play in that? It comes into play for us to equip you to do the work of ministry, Ephesians 4. We do what we do so that you and we all can effectively minister to one another. Sometimes it means warning one another. Sometimes it means comforting one another. Sometimes it means upholding one another because of weakness in our lives. Sometimes it means patience with one another. Or always it means patience with one another. So we must equip you and all of us to be about these things. Now, the last point is for the sake of peace. Verse 13. Going back to that, verse 13. So we see that... um, Paul tells the church in Thessalonica, be at peace among yourselves. Because listen, folks, the reality is, if, if, that does, if these things don't happen, like we see in 12 and 13, then there's not going to be peace among the flock, among the church. The word for peace here is a word that means harmony. It means to uh, the action of living in concord with others, you are um, at harmony with one another. The other place that it's found, interestingly enough, is in the passage we looked at from Mark on, on Wednesday night. Mark chapter 9 verse 50. Where that was a place where the disciples were arguing or disputing about who the greatest is. And then Jesus talked to them for a while. At the end of that talk, he said to them, uh, salt is good. If salt has lost its flavor, how will it be seasoned? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. So we have that goodness, is what I said on Wednesday night, within ourselves. And that really keeps us from wanting to be the greatest and keeps us looking out for others. And that allows us, helps us to be at peace among ourselves, to recognize our role in the family of God according to the grace of God in our lives. Peace is important. The world is chaotic. The church should be a place of peace. New Life Baptist Church should be a place of peace. We are a people who have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 we have the peace of God within us rather than anxiety because we cast our cares upon Him and pray, Philippians chapter 4. And the God of peace has promised to be with us when we live according to what we have learned and received and heard and saw, Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. Peace among ourselves. We should strive for it because that has not happened many times over the years in towns all across this country. That's why you might have a Harmony Baptist Church go down the street around the corner and you've got new Harmony Baptist Church. It's because the peace wasn't kept because the people weren't doing what God said for them to do. By the grace of God, we want to strive to do that. We're patient with all because we all know that we need that patience. 
Psalm 133, verse 1, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, become mature, be encouraged, be of the same mind, be at peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Peace doesn't come very well by us opposing one another, but by loving one another and being submissive. So, I think that's uh, everything I'm going to share with you all today. Uh, We'll probably pick back up on verse 14 on uh, next Sunday morning and try to make our way through verse 22. I hope that this passage is somewhat educational for you this morning. If you wonder about polity, the way a church is governed, if you wonder anything about that or wonder about uh, us, if, if you don't remember how we do things around here, we do believe in a plurality of elders because that's what the Bible seems to teach. And we want to continue to encourage that and pray for that here at New Life. And we want to continue by the grace of God to serve uh, this congregation, to labor among you to be over you, knowing that it is in the Lord, and to admonish you. And even this morning, you've been admonished from the preaching of the Word. We've been admonished from this. Not, not bad, it's a good thing. We need that admonishment from one another because we want what we do to be according to the Scriptures, not according to the wisdom of men. Now, uh, Jesus Christ has purchased this church and the church with His own blood. And you all have gathered here this morning because you believe that. But I know that even in our assembly this morning, there may be those who have never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ is the salvation, the way in which a man, woman, boy, girl, black, white, it does not matter, is able to know God and to have peace with God. And this morning, if you do not have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the invitation is always repent of your sins. Repent toward God and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that He alone can save you. For He he died and He was buried and He rose again on the third day according to our gospel. He lives forevermore and because He lives, if you will believe in the gospel... Completely in the gospel of Christ, it is a salvation that's available to you. The Bible tells us that those who are disciples, who will be disciples of Christ, are to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 28. So the invitation is for you not just to repent and to believe, though that is necessary, but the invitation is for you to follow the Lord in believer's baptism making a confession, a profession before this assembly or before those who are gathered, whenever it might be, saying that you are buried with Christ in baptism and you're raised by the glory of the Father to walk in newness of life. We're assembled as a people who make that confession, who believe that. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. Thank you for these good people at New Life Baptist Church. God, I pray that we would have salt in ourselves and be at peace with one another. 
Father, I pray that we would just understand your word. I, I can preach your word, Lord, and try to try to explain it. But Father, ultimately, you're the one who would have to give us the ability to understand and to have the grace to live out and to obey what you've said. So I ask you for that. God, we cannot do anything apart from the vine, Jesus Christ, the true vine. We are just the branches. And Lord, as we are abiding in him, may we live out your word as a church among ourselves. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who shed his blood for our sins. God, please save the lost who are among us. May they have grace to receive the message of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.